0: wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we
1: touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly, well, it's not the man cave today at the Warthog Command Center. We're here at the Steve Spurrier Podcast Grill, and it's a great facility, and we've got a great guest today. I want to give thanks, of course, to our sponsors, uh, Melvin Law. Belton Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators. Belton Law won't back down. And of course, we're all protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, cpss.net. Take a look at John Pastore and Randy Elred for all your crime prevention security measures. And check out our monk shots, 35, 40,000 people a month do it. And we're proud to bring it to you so that you know who may be living next door to you now and then. Just did whatever a nasty thing you need to know about. So we keep those all for you as a public service. You know that Award Scott Files is a community forum. Uh, we do not um, absolutely champion one side or the other, and I'm an equal opportunity critic. So uh, as a classroom professor, really running this as if it were an extended classroom, as you know, I'm just interested in bringing you the best information we can get you, Bring you a lot of guests from time to time who share their points of view. And ultimately, the voter is you. You have to take the information we share with you. You have to trust what we give you. We hopefully we have never betrayed that before you and uh, then you go do and the grade ultimately is how you make your choices. If you vote poorly and you get somebody for a, a commissioner or something you don't approve of, well, who else do you have to blame but yourself? Worse yet, if you don't vote, if you don't participate, who else do you have to blame but yourself? So we've got a very interesting friend, a longtime friend, I'd say, uh, here with me in the community and here in the studio uh, Gary Gordon, who, and I go way back together, although he's a, on a little different plane than I am and that he's younger, believe it or not. I'm probably a, a little bit older, but I know a lot of the people he was uh, hanging with, as they say in his day, and he knows a lot of the people that I was uh, hanging with, and so we have that in common. You know, stories build the bond in a community, and we've Gary and I certainly have shared a lot of them um, before we went on the air. Uh, his father was a professor at the university, I uh, knew a lot of the people who were his father's peers or my professors. So now, Gary, for lack of better sense, I guess, I apologize. I apologize. Is throwing his hat in the political (laughs) ring again. And I don't know what ails somebody who does that. (laughs) But I guess we really need good people doing it. I got to tell you, I've done it a couple of times myself. And it's quite an experience. If you haven't done it, though, wouldn't necessarily recommend you try it. Uh, you'll learn some things about human nature. I think Gary will agree with me mm-hmm. that you will not learn any other way. There is nothing like the seamy underworld of politics. Yep. And Gary came uh, came this morning with some very interesting stories that he's going to share with you that are not even in the press yet that have to do with this controversial issue of neighborhoods in the city of Gainesville. So I'll be watching the chat line here on the uh, show and if you have a question or something you'd like to send along please send it along and i'll pass it along to gary but gary gordon is running for mayor he's been mayor
0: before right he was actually mayor commissioner back mayor then.
1: commissioner back yeah. then before the system was changed and um so what that meant is he wasn't necessarily superior uh morally or intellectually <laughs> or any other way to anybody else on the commission because they were all rotated now we have a system where he who shall run for mayor, and Gary's doing it, So, but I don't think he really wants to claim to be superior to those whom he would govern.
0: No, the only difference is uh, there is no difference between then and now except the title. The mayor actually has no more power. What he or she does is run the meeting, cut the ribbons, sign, give the proclamations. Well,
1: this is Gary Gordon. So, Gary, welcome to the show. And I don't know where to begin because it's like a... You can drop into the movie almost anywhere and not miss anything Mm -hmm. so first of all let's talk about a little bit about our background together um you have been the mayor before then you went away you've always had this interest in music might want to bring that up
0: right sure Uh, talk about
1: that for a second so people know what you're rich and varied background really
0: when i when i uh when i graduated college i i'd gone to atlanta uh, emory in atlanta and then northwestern outside of chicago and i came back to atlanta and a friend of mine was running a booking agency for musicians and among the people he was booking was my friend steve soar and marty gerard the band road turkey which some people may remember so we were bringing them up to atlanta but i didn't really want to be in that business i also didn't think of myself as a songwriter back then so i came back to gainesville To write the great American novel, which should appeal to you being a a former fiction person, (laughs) or maybe we're still both current fiction people, I don't know. Um, I came back to Gainesville and then I just literally fell in to working with Dave Durham and we formed the Archer Road Band and then we got popular. And so the novel was set aside and for over two years we were playing regularly. When my dad passed away, I thought, I got to get serious. So I started to move away from music and back into activism, which led to running for and then getting elected to the city commission. But that was really my first as, as an adult. I mean, I played rock music in, in a band in high school. Um, but that was really my first foray as an adult in terms of being a professional musician. And then I walked away from it. Uh, after I served on the city commission, I came back to it put uh, various bands back together and then I moved, when I moved out to California my idea was I'm going to be a screenwriter I'm not going to get distracted by the music and a friend of mine said yeah but there's this coffee house and you can make some money playing your songs <laughs> so one thing leads to another and this friend of mine books a gig before I even have a band and he says put a band together so you can play this gig <laughs> And the band ended up staying together from about nineteen ninety nine to twenty seventeen. Really, and we only played my songs, and we only played if we got paid, and those were the rules. And we worked. So, and what uh,
1: city was this again? This
0: is in uh, it's in the Los Angeles area, is primarily in Santa Monica and Venice, and in that area. Right. I was living in Venice and then Culver City, and working. I was the executive director of a business association in Santa Monica. That was my day job. Um, And I was hired for that because of my background in city hall here. So they said, we we need someone who can organize the merchant association and tell the city what we need and what we don't need. So I was hired. It was originally going to be a six-month job just to get it together. (laughs) turned into a 19-year job. Uh, That they were disappointed when I decided to leave and move back here.
1: Well, that's very fascinating. And the band, and you wrote your own songs and played them. And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, of course, we have some friends in the music world that we've uh, known together. A little different generation, you know. uh, uh, Tom Petty, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. I knew him and uh, some of the other fellows around here. And I think you and I remarked at one point, maybe it was you, we were talking about Petty. And while everybody else was... uh, playing music he was writing his own songs
0: right i don't think i don't know that anybody knew that he was doing that i mean he did write that song depot street that that mud crutch recorded but most of us thought of petty as the guy behind the counter at Lithams <laughs> yeah. who, who played in the epics and then played bass in uh, in mud crutch and and then they moved out to la and it turns out he's the one that got the record deal because of his songs yeah, And and every, I mean, everybody knows that story. But I think a lot of people back in the day, there was a popular band called RGF. Road Turkey was popular. There were other popular bands. And if I think if somebody had said, Petty's going to be the guy that becomes the international superstar, it would have been, no, he's the guy I buy guitar strings from. <laughs> That's true. I, I live from music. Uh,
1: my, my only experience with bands locally that I uh really still to this day I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way i went out to a battle of the bands in gainesville high S- auditorium in oh, 1968. okay, okay, okay and riff was playing there and they had a darn good band they had a tight band and uh i got there late and i was assuming riff would win and i said you guys won didn't you and they said no we came in second and i said came in second who in the world could have beaten you says come on backstage i want you to meet them this is butch trucks and johnny jackson yep. And actually Allman, greg Alman, i said oh right baby
0: <laughs> i got i got to correct you on the date it was actually 69. was it 69 yeah. right and, in there yeah and i was there were you and uh we never heard of them well a couple of the people who hung out at live music had met a couple of them but we'd never seen the band here's what happened when they set up they t- they didn't take the stage altogether. Jay Johnny comes out, and he sets up his drums, and he starts, you know, playing a little bit. And here's what we're thinking in the audience, because we've never seen an integrated band before. And right? two drummers, too. Right. So Jay Johnny's playing, and we're thinking, they're letting this black guy play some drums before the band comes out. Yeah. And then the rest of the band sets up around him, Butch Trucks on the other drum set, and Dwayne and Greg and, and Barry and, uh, and Dickie. And they opened with the Mountain Jam, you know, the Donovan instrumental that they did. And with the harmony leads, blew us away. And for the rest of the time that they were on stage, me and my bandmate, Steve Soar, we go home, we figure out how to play that harmony part on that song. And we show the rest of the band. And then we go play it. I think we were playing at a high school in Chiefland. And we play it. Not the way they did, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the people, nobody nobody moves. Nobody takes the dance floor. Nobody does nothing. And uh, we say, okay, but you're going to like those guys someday. And then we played Wipeout. And everybody floods onto the dance floor. <laughs> so you know we were a little bit ahead of our time in trying to be like them. Um, but they were—they're still the gold standard as oh, far as no I'm concerned. The Allman, the Allman Brothers Band.
1: No question about it. I, that the soulful voice of Greg mm-hmm. and the big Hammond organ and all that incorporated mm-hmm. into the—you th- know—that that coming out of the church world, right in the South. You know, it's. Um, you uh, know, it is. He was. There were the Almond Joys before they were. Right, and right. They played Daytona a lot. um and Which, which uh, I
0: didn't know. Yeah,
1: there was a place there called the Martin. I, we're on track. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there <laughs> was a place called the Martinique where all the great bands played. Didn't they? Right. And um, I mean, they had some good bands. But I will never remember. I never forget going backstage and they wanted to introduce you to Johnny Jackson and Butch Trucks. And uh I said, man, I tell you what, you. I think their first album was Peel a Peach, I believe. No, it? no, no.
0: The first album was just The Almond Brothers, the and, and Brothers. it came out. The reason the The Almond Brothers didn't technically win that contour test because they already had a record mm. deal. Mm. Their album came out about two or three months later. Gotcha. And I remember uh, a couple of people who were friends of friends came down from New York, and I played their album, and they didn't get it. I said, okay, but you're going to love these guys in in another year or so. And then of course, live at Fillmore came out and then the eat a peach album came out, which came out after Dwayne died, but it still had some tracks on it that he had been part of. Um, yeah, I, it's, I, I had a friend uh, in journalism school who was quoted uh, in the paper, uh, when we had both graduated when I first got elected and he said, Gary's always had one foot in politics. And one foot in the arts. <laughs>
1: there's nothing wrong uh, with that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's uh, it's just the, my journey or whatever, in yeah, my life. Yeah.
1: Well, we're talking to Gary Gordon, and he's now running for mayor. And boy, it's a crowded field, Gary. How many people <laughs> in there competing for that spot?
0: Well, uh, on paper, there's nine. nine. Um, but at the last two forums, uh, at, at the last one, there were only five of us. And at the one before, I think there were six of us. So some of the people sort of got the message I believe that they really don't have a campaign, they really don't have a shot. Um and so the last forum I thought was one of the best because at least with five and they gave us two minutes to answer questions instead of one minute. It's just, it's so unreal yeah to, to say to mayoral candidates, we have three part complex questions and you have one minute to answer. Yeah. What kind of 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 a country is it <laughs> where you only want to hear from someone running for office for one minute after you've asked a really complicated question. Yep, yep, yep. It makes no sense to me.
1: Well, that's why we got this um, show. Hopefully it's yeah. available to people to do just what you're doing, and that is to meet the people. And then, uh, of course, this show is immediately posted at wardscottfiles.com. It goes out to Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, Spotify. I run out of fingers and toes. Production people here to tell me all the places it goes. But a uh, num- number of places. Yeah, they're counting their fingers now. So, like 37. About 37 different platforms it wow. goes to. Wow. And I want to thank production for being on the ball. You mentioned before we went on the air uh, that uh, you met uh, the Waterloo, so to speak, and your uh, experience with what these people, their generation, can do with uh, the Internet and uh, productions like they're right. doing. Right. Because we came along too late for that and they came along and breathed it in the crib, I think, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have been able to take it from there. So uh, uh, if we can just put some of our wisdom over on their lap, and they can put some of their technical ability over on ours, and we kind of have that situation mm-hmm. going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they get tired, they listen to me, because they have to listen every day. Right. So maybe once in a while they pick up something that is relevant, but um, for the young people, of their generation, Obviously, one of the things they're going to be looking at is what we're going to talk about, and that is housing. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you right now, we know this. More people, less land, less space is going to produce more expense for less square footage. Mm -hmm. That's just a given. Mm -hmm. I don't know what we can get around it. But there's one way to insulate yourself from that, I would think, and that is to protect the neighborhoods where the existing homes already are. Mm -hmm. And that's the hot button issue that we are here to really talk about. And you may fire some questions in, but you have an interesting story about yesterday that I think everybody should hear. Yeah, this
0: was this was a fun meeting. I had gotten word that County Commissioner Ken Cornell at a joint meeting that had already been scheduled for the city and county at City Hall on a couple of other items during Commissioner comment was going to bring up that the county oppose the city effort. To eliminate single-family zoning and so I went to the meeting and so sat through a couple of interesting presentations. That was in Jack Durance. On, Uh No, it was in uh, the City Hall. Oh, it was in City Hall? Yeah. Um, and uh, I sat through a couple of interesting presentations that had nothing to do with this and then near the very end of the meeting under Commissioner comment, Commissioner Cornell um, brought it up and he said, I would like to uh, have the county take a position recommending that the city not move forward with this. uh, And I'm going to make that motion. And at first he didn't get a second. Really? Um, And I think it was because people were trying to figure out protocol. Um, And this became part of the discussion. Ultimately, Commissioner Prizzi seconded it for discussion. And then the discussion began. Now, the county was talking about Most of the county commissioners were saying uh, how they were opposed to it. They were also discussing among themselves home rule and should the county tell the city what to do. Um, Commissioner uh, Eagle um, said, we're not really telling them. She came out right away and, and supported Ken on this. And she said, we're not telling them what to do. We're making a recommendation. That sort of broke the ice a little bit. Um, Prizzi talked about, Commissioner Prizzi, I, I guess I should be formal. Um, she talked about uh, in her communications with people all around the city. Oh, one of the things, the important things that Ken said, that because they are not, because they're elected at large, even though they're districted, all of them represent all the people in the city and so he felt totally comfortable in doing this now you know the state is talking about changing that and so if the state had already changed it Ken would not have been able to say
1: well the state is getting it out putting it out to the public right. to decide if they want to change it.
0: right and if the public changes it then Ken would not have been able to say I represent all the people right. in the city but they do at this point and uh, so Prizzy was saying all the people that she had talked with uh, were opposed to it. And then, then it sort of bogged down with somebody suggesting, well, maybe they're just opposed to the process. And
1: did that come from the city or the county?
0: No. One of the county commissioners, I think it was Prizzy was saying a lot of people they're unaware or they, they think the process wasn't elaborate enough or involved enough people. Those remarks are true, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Um, Mayor Poe then says to commissioner Cornell, I'm really sorry that you brought this up. I think, you, I think you're entitled to your own. Opinion. I apologize.
1: I apologize for laughing, but
0: he says, I think you're entitled to your own opinion, but I don't think that that the county should take a vote on this. Well, it got a little bit exciting at that point testing uh, because all eyes were then on Ken and Ken, is not one to be manipulated or or bullied um and he said you know I'm going to go through with this and we're going to we're going to see where where it falls um who had originally seconded it only for discussion during subsequent discussion indicated that she was going to support it um then Hayes Santos commissioner saying hey Santos is going to be on his way out And has been a proponent for eliminating single-family housing. I think he was born since he was born. um, He says, "Look, this is not just Gainesville that's talking about getting rid of exclusionary zoning. This is nationwide." (laughs) President Biden and before him President Obama, their people have recommended blah blah blah. blah." (laughs) So then they call for citizen comment, and I get up. And I thank Ken for making the motion. I say, look, this is not a question about process. It's the issues. And people are familiar with this issues. When I was going door to door, and I'm still doing door to door, but when I was going door to door a week or two ago, we had a petition. We were asking everyone to sign. All but one door that we went to, those people had already signed the petition. People know what's going on. And this city commission the majority of them, has this such a disdain for public participation. You said that. I, I didn't say that then, but I'm saying it. I've said it before. Yeah. What I said was they know the issue, Yeah. and so it's not about process. And then I said, and I'm particularly insulted by Commissioner Hayes Santos' <laughs> remarks, about President Biden and President Obama suggesting this. I said, I bet everybody in this room or almost everybody in the room voted for President Biden, but we did not elect him to make our zoning and land use decisions here in Gainesville. (laughs) And um, their, their, their autocratic attitude and their, their, their attitude toward lecturing people the people in that room were, it was, a, it was a diverse group, people from a variety of neighborhoods. Uh, I told them, I said, you know, for every study you've got, Kim Tanzer, who was there, I said, Kim Tanzer's got a better study showing that you're wrong. And, and then she got up and said, I have this study and it shows that you're wrong. <laughs> um, so, so the county went ahead and voted unanimously to tell the city don't do this. Um, it's scheduled tomorrow at 5 o'clock, city commission meeting. Um, we'll see. I think Poe and Hayes Santos, who've been pushing it all along, are going to continue to push. Ariola had left the meeting. He's running for office. He's one of the major proponents of this. He had left. He didn't want to be in it. I, I'm not going to say well, who why knows, he but left, but he, he left. wasn't there. He, he been. wasn't there. Harvey Ward, who is one of my opponents, said nothing, <laughs> even though he said he's going to vote against this proposal because you know what time of year it is. It's election time. But he was a booster of this kind of thing for the last four years. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so he remained silent. Um, one, and so the pressure really has been on, that the, the, the different citizen groups are doing, has been on Commissioner Sacco. To say, is that you're right? the one. Is that right? And she's been a proponent of this, but she's going to be running for a re-election next year. And I spoke at a meeting probably three weeks ago, and I said, the weakest link in this is Sacco. If you can turn her, they lose their four-vote majority. And whether you can turn her to help kill it or whether you can turn her to defer it until the new commission takes office. And this is what uh, actually, I think it was Ken that ran through this sort of calendar timeline. You know, even if the commission votes for this on Thursday by 4-3 vote, it's got to go through several state agencies. They get to weigh in. And then it goes through the possibility of a hearing or arbitration process and possibly a lawsuit so it doesn't you know become law right away so Ken's point was by the time it gets to back to City Hall there may be a new commission and depending on who gets elected they're going to vote to reverse it now I've already I said at the outset if the city passes this and I get elected I will be leading the fight to reverse this decision I spoke against I'm the only one running by the way, that spoke against Gainesville Rise, which was the initial effort to put multifamily in the middle of single-family zoned areas. That was almost four years ago. So I've been on this ever since shortly after I came back to town. I was incredulous that this was even being considered. Single-family housing, our neighborhoods, are one of the gems of Absolutely. Gainesville, Florida. I used, to, I used to say this to people when I lived out in Santa Monica. I said two things about, well, three things about Gainesville. Great neighborhoods, great public participation in government. That's declined because of various authoritarian rules that they've made. And we own our own utility, which they've managed now to mess up. Um, but these were three great things about Gainesville that I used to brag about to my friends and co-workers in Santa Monica and when we moved back here we had visited a few times my wife loved the place um, I met her out and she grew up in LA came back here she said I could live here and so he said okay well let's make those plans and we come back and we discover that they've turned the keys over to various developers and outside and mm-hmm. out of town develop. and they're just building like crazy and now suddenly it's on the table to eliminate Gainesville neighborhoods just I'm incred. I was incredulous I was incredulous four years ago and I'm still incredulous but that's you know I appreciate what you said and my friend Penny Wheat said to me when I told her I was gonna run she said are you out of your mind <laughs> um, but you know I had to to do it. I was going to enjoy retirement, but as I said at my campaign kickoff, I decided not to enjoy my retirement (laughs) and run for office because Harvey is not reliable, David is on the other side, and Ed has no record. All he's got is GRU. He's got no record on any other city issue. And you don't elect somebody who hasn't been involved in city government. Well, actually this town has done that, but it's always yeah. been a mistake. Yeah. People should elect people who have already been involved in various ways in the community, as I was when I was originally elected back in the 80s.
1: You know, we're talking with Gary Gordon and I think one of the things I appreciate so much is listening to his melodic presentation because mm-hmm. uh, he's a very civilized person who uh, mm-hmm. has a lot of uh, uh, rapport with people and from various walks of life. So uh, even if we disagreed on something, I suppose we'd have a good time disagreeing about it. Oh, yeah. But uh, um, I'm with you on this. Um, I think the neighborhoods, and I'm gonna, here's something I think is, well, uh, so. So you eliminate neighborhoods in Gainesville. There are going to be neighborhoods in the county. There already are neighborhoods in the county. And if you want to complain that they're exclusionary, They're going to be exclusionary by affordability. And the only thing that makes something affordable, because I was the chair of an affordable housing committee for a year in the city of Elantra, actually the Mm co-chair. One of the commissioners was on there with me. But I did all the heavy lifting for it. Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes a a home affordable is if you can afford it. So if you can't afford it, somebody's going to give you a supplement, and it's always the government. Mm -hmm. So the idea that there's going to be some place you can live that you can't afford is rather annoying to somebody who paid the price to afford be able to afford to live there Mm -hmm. it's just human nature right i mean it doesn't matter anywhere else it's not racist it's just you know can you have you done what i did by well you had privilege you can come up with all these what ifs, but how about hard work and how about taking risk and how about getting educated and how God doing the things that you do uh, and showing up on time, all your life that made it possible for you to live in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. This wipes all that off the table. And that's what I have real objection to. I wouldn't do that in the classroom. I wouldn't say in the classroom, well, you didn't earn your grade. This person did earn the grade. And that person doesn't need that A. That person could get fine with a B. So how am if I take the A sum and give you, Right, it doesn't make you feel any better that I gave it to you and even if you got a great person uh, up the other end who got the A it's not fair to the public record Mm -hmm. of what the quality is in the room
0: well this is one of the false (sighs) false pieces of rhetoric I guess that Poe started when when he initially advanced uh, Gainesville Rise and there are many people I know people don't want to make this racial and the fact is it's not there are many people in the black community who own their own homes worked hard to have those homes and are opposed to the elimination of what is called exclusionary zoning which is the elimination of single-family and they were there yesterday to say we don't want this so the idea that this is a, a black white issue that there are people within the black community who are saying give us, give us, give us, it's false. Um, There are people within the black community saying protect our single family homes. Don't do this to us any more than anyone else. And I think all the homeowners in town are pretty much agreed. On the question of affordable housing, which is really a separate issue You don't establish affordable housing. It's magical thinking to think that if you're going to eliminate single-family zoning, then suddenly the housing that will be built within those areas, duplexes, triplexes, etc., will suddenly be affordable. Uh, That's magical thinking. Affordable housing is a tough nut. Sometimes it requires certain forms of assistance, but that has to be regulated and controlled. For example, if you're uh, a developer and you're going to build a quadruplex, well, probably bigger than a quadruplex, maybe not, um, we're going to require one-tenth of it. In order for you to build there at that height, not in a single-family area, then we're going to require one-tenth of it to be affordable housing. And then it's a negotiation with a developer the developer has to agree and if the developer doesn't agree then the developer doesn't agree Um, there are there are programs Um, they put some ARPA money in the direction of creating some affordable housing but again not in single-family neighborhoods Um, there have always been federal dollars limited community development block grants uh, which are grants uh, to help people be able to afford a home and then, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea of a uh, revolving trust where people can borrow and pay back at a, at a favorable rate in order to be able to afford to have a home. But but Pose and Hay Santos and Ariola and at the time Ward and Sacco, their advancement initially of, of the Gainesville Rise, which they predicated on. This will solve segregated housing patterns. It itself was racist because it suggested Correct. that black people did not aspire to own their own homes. Correct. Correct. And that's what made me furious when I spoke out back in November 2018. I said you should be ashamed of yourselves Correct. for cloaking this in the civil rights movement, Absolutely. a movement that I worked in
1: as a kid. We have to take a break here, but sure. you can see how erudite um, my good friend Gary is, and on the ball here. And uh, uses words that I've longed to hear for a while. Predicated, you know. I mean, I just uh, I like that word. Hey, you know, m- multisyllabic, right? Right. <laughs> We're gonna take a break now with our great production crew, who are of a different generation than we are, but nevertheless experts in their field. And uh, we'll be right back, and I'll discuss the weather with you, which you as you know has been miserable. Be right back on the word Scott Files. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, r and Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscotfiles.com
0: Hello, boy. Wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him?
1: No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files, and thank Lewis Oil for bringing you the weather. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of relief in sight to present to you. I got to confess to you that yesterday when I looked down on my truck thermometer in horror, it said hundred degrees <clears throat> and in checking with my wife later to make sure that I wasn't somehow reading it wrong. The thermometer on her vehicle also had read hundred degrees. So I can say that that is up in the misery index, but when you compare where we are to the rest of the country, I guess that there's any kind of solace you can take in knowing that you're not there and you're here maybe there's some because the deadly mckinney fire continues to burn out of control in california uh, the northwest is cooling down following extensive red setting heat but it's still hot uh, they're drenching downpours to renew the flood threat in some of the hard-hit areas like kentucky which is grappling with quote unquote unimaginable loss following that catastrophic flooding i think i reminded you once upon a time that My good friend Jim Dickey, who was a poet laureate of the country, asked me one time what was the most horrifying natural disaster, and it was a question that he was always given to asking, things that nobody else asked. And I answered probably fire, thinking, wow, where do I get an answer for that? And Mr. Dickey, of course, having written Deliverance, which ends with a flood covering everything up, and of course, referencing and alluding to the flood, the biblical flood, answered he thought that the most frightening natural disaster was rising water, and having given that a lot of thought, I believe he's probably right as he was about so many things. Rising water you simply can't stop. You can put a fire out, believe it or not, an earthquake settles down and no longer rattles the earth and the dishes in the cupboard, Uh, a tornado goes away, a hurricane leaves, does its damage no doubt, but there is sunshine behind it, but with rising water rising water and indeed it probably is at the basis of some of the climate change hysteria we hear whether you think it's true or not is predicated to borrow the word from my good friend here gary on the notion that the water will rise in the oceans and take over the cities by the uh, coasts so i have to agree with mr dickey that all this news that i'm bringing about fire in california tornado tornado alleys um i think the most uh, devastating of all has been uh, the floods in Kentucky and if you take a look at the washing away of homes entire lives if you will it's uh, pretty hard to imagine that being corrected anytime soon notwithstanding the damage that a fire does out west. So that's my version of the weather today. I don't bring you the weather quite the way you might get it somewhere else. I have alluded as before to the Farmers' Almanac which I found to be a fascinating document more often right on than not. It's amazing how these fellows learn to read. Then it doesn't matter too much if you're close to nature. Robert Penn Warren has a story called When the Light Get Green. And I never understood the title for the longest time until I understood that the narrator was awed by his grandfather, who was a tobacco farmer, who could tell when hail was coming by what the clouds began to look like. So that's only in the rule setting that one learns to respect nature that way, I suspect. Well, 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 with Gary Gordon, who is running for mayor, um, being the artist as he is, I'm sure that he has listened to what I've been saying Mm -hmm. with keen interest. Um, Some of the names I provide you with, as you know, are some of the big time guys in literature, Robert Penn Warren, James Dickey, Mm
0: -hmm. people
1: of that nature. whom I had the opportunity to really be taught by, so I'm very, very... I think when I'm gone, Gary, there won't be any more like me because mm-hmm. those teachers are gone. Right. And, um, you know, I don't know where we get it because uh, Gary is going to bring, if he's the mayor, a real artistic temperament, I suspect, to the job of being a politician. And by that, I mean, you know, artists are creative. They look for different ways to solve issues that are not intractable away so many are stuck in ideology. So uh, you can judge for yourself as you listen to my guest today. Because there'll be a crowded field, in all probability, there'll be a runoff. Wouldn't you think, Gary?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, my goal really, <clears throat> I have no illusions about this. My goal is to make it in a runoff, and it will probably be a runoff with either Belarsky or Ward. Um, if I miss that mark, then people uh, have to choose between Bolarski, who has no record, and Ward, who is shaky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> Unreliable. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping to make it into to a runoff and and with one of them uh will probably be the case i want to mention since you mentioned writers i had the good fortune there was a writer's conference here back in the mid-70s james jones who wrote from here to eternity and thin red line was one of the people i knew him very well here okay and we had the opportunity to submit short stories and have one of the people participants among the all the invited writers so he's the one that ended up read your work mine re- reviewing yeah. mine and i met with him and he gave me some pointers on how to improve it and, and it was great and then there was an evening where he read from whistle which was a novel that he had yes. written that just came out the third of that trilogy and my dad who was a world war ii veteran my mom who had served in the red cross uh, over in italy uh just at the end of the war and after the war, um, they were there with me. And um, my dad was just thrilled that I had gotten to have uh, a meeting, a one-on-one meeting with him. And then, of course, we, we got the book and he autographed it and so on. And then when I was in college, I also was taught by John Gardner, who had written Sunlight right. Dialogues right. and a host of other uh, bestsellers. Um so I just thought I was, I was lucky. Yeah. And then, of course, my heroes were Norman Mailer and Kurt Vonnegut, Yeah, uh, both of whom I met at, at one point, but not in the way that they were taking a look at my, my work. Um,
1: I remember something Norman Mailer said I read. I never met Norman Mailer, but I knew James Jones pretty well. Mm. And I have a letter in my files from James Jones to me. And we were talking about my book. Um, but... Um, uh, Mailer said he was living in an age when when being paranoid was approaching having common sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just, you know, when you sit down to write, you have to decide. It's almost like running for office, too. You have to have an ego. Yes. There's one candidate who put on his flyer. You
1: have to think you can do it.
0: There's one candidate who put on his mailer. He has no ego. I don't understand that. You have to have an ego. You have to have an ego to look at a blank page and decide that you're going to fill 300 pages with a story worth telling. And that you're going to try and match in some way, even though you know you can't, Mailer or Vonnegut, (laughs) or Shakespeare or, you know, pick your favorite novelist, John Grisham, whoever else, you know, that you're going to try to come up to those bars, to those standards Uh, or you're going to try to exceed them, which when I was much younger, I thought, hey, I'm going to be the next great American novelist. (laughs) Didn't quite work out. Uh, Well, let's tell the story because you've
1: got one you want to talk about. Uh, We've talked about the overwhelming public sentiment in all forms and shapes, if you will, against destroying Gainesville's neighborhoods and the kind of moral elitism, if you will, of this this disdainful city commission. I'll say it. I don't think Gary wants to say it he's
0: and I think it's the majority of the city The majority of there yeah.
1: might be a good egg in there somewhere yeah. but uh, you know it's drowned you got seven in there instead of five which I'm against the seven by the way mm-hmm. and um, but you have also another uh, issue you want to address
0: well and this comes from the 19 years I spent as the executive director of the Main Street Business Improvement Association in Santa Monica now I'll tell you what Ward, I was warned not to mention that I had lived in California or, that, oh, I, yeah, or California. that I had worked there because everybody goes, oh, they're crazy. Yeah, uh, Don't bring that up. But business is business. Small business is small business. Dealing with city councils, none of whom make a living out of a cash register, is sometimes, I don't know if it's universal, but it can be common. And my job as the executive director of that association was to to work for those merchants most of whom are small businesses and not large chains and to try and give those council members that's what they were called out there those council members a visceral understanding of what it was like to make a living out of a cash register yes that that yes that if they have to pay the help (laughs) right right uh payroll yeah that if they made a certain decision it could cause a downturn in business by 10% and businesses who work on the margin would have a harder time staying in business. On the other hand, if they made a decision that perhaps that we were asking for, it could improve things 10 or 15 or 20% and not cost the city any money. We never went to the city asking for money. We asked for policy changes. So doing that for 19 years, I felt two things. I felt that even though I was happy with the service that I gave the city back from 83 to 86, I could have done a better job in terms of representing small business. Okay, you live and you learn. Um, So I come back to town and I have this increased understanding uh, of of small business and, and the interaction between small business and local government. And of course, retail has taken major hits since the time I I served in the, in the eighties. So a couple of friends of mine are small landlords, um, which can be considered a small business. It's not a retail business. It's Um, a business.
1: Yeah, it's a business. And and
0: they got in touch with me and they said, are you up on this landlord licensing ordinance? And they started telling me that, and this ordinance only applies to four units or less it doesn't apply to the large rental properties and they said you know the changes that this is requiring of us uh, is forcing us to raise rents and we're having to lose tenants that we like and who like living where we are providing a place for them to live and they don't have another place that they can go because they, they're paying 850, dollars and now they've got to go into a market where the starting rate is 1000 And, you know, now this is anecdotal. I want to make that clear. So, I haven't done a study of all small landlords. I'm just hearing from some of them. I know that there are landlords who are responsible and there are landlords who aren't. And we've all experienced that. Um, but... I went over to code enforcement at the city and they said oh no no what you're hearing from these folks isn't isn't true Um, basically they're saying that they had to raise rent just because they had to change out a toilet um, you know to a low flow toilet and I met with the city manager and unfortunately (laughs) I think she's doing a good job and I think she's trying to get a handle on what the external auditor showed in terms of city finances, but she wasn't exactly up on this issue. And I was hoping, you know, I put off meeting coming on your show because I wanted to have that meeting with her because I wanted to have additional information. All that I could do was tell her about the gap between what I was hearing from the small landlords and what I heard from code enforcement. Um, So uh, what seems to me the obvious path is to have a review of that ordinance some people want me to call for moratorium i'm not quite ready to do that but if i get elected i have a little more time to study it who knows day one along with the other things i'm going to ask for day one you can ask me about that if you want uh, may include a moratorium on the enforcement of that ordinance or it may simply include A review with the stakeholders now when I brought this up at the last forum Harvey jumps in and says we just reviewed that three months ago well he may believe that they reviewed it but not to the satisfaction of the people that I'm hearing from so what I've gained in my time 19 years on that job is additional hearing Mm -hmm. when a small business person says something Mm -hmm. You don't dismiss it. Mm -hmm. Even as one of the council members out there did when I used to lobby him, he said, Gary, there's always going to be business on your street. I don't need to pay attention to you. Um, You don't dismiss that. You don't take that attitude. You listen. You don't say, oh, that's just business people complaining. Um, Everybody's got complaints. Some complaints are legitimate. And you need to have that ear to be able to hear what's being said and you have to have the willingness to investigate to see what's accurate and what isn't accurate and then come up with proposals for what will solve it that was really my job for 19 years out there i was all constantly working on listening coming up with ideas or hearing ideas from other people because i'm not i'm not the single idea generator um and then going to city hall and saying here's what the merchants want and if I could bring the neighborhood on board, which I usually was able to do because they liked the street that I represented. It was a mile long, kind of like the length of uh, University Avenue from from Main Street to 13th Street or, or to 17th Street. Um, you know, if the neighbors liked it, and they usually did, then we got together as a coalition and we went before the city council and we said, this is what we want from Main Street. We want them to be able to do this and do that. Won't cost the city a dime. It'll help the street and that'll help the neighborhood. And it's a win-win. And sometimes it still took five years to get it done.
1: <laughs> man, man, man. I'm talking Gary Gordon is running for mayor. Well, Gary, let's go to the potential voter. Although, let's say one thing I'll say for you if you don't want to touch on it. I'm against this early voting stuff um, I'm just it's, it, you know it's done in the name of encouraging more to vote but the data shows it doesn't really have much impact on that I'm old-fashioned I think we all vote on the same day and show up in person and take responsibility for our behavior in person well, there's some little exceptions of course but not this elongated because what you do is a lot of people have already voted mm-hmm. and they haven't listened to anything we're saying um, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's the best way a voter should behave. Or I don't think we should set up an opportunity for the voter to make a bad choice. Mm -hmm. And that's assuming, of course, that there may be something the voter might hear after they cast their vote that would have changed their mind. So we're working against that, which Gary wouldn't be able to do anything much about if you were elected. But there has to be some things that you would do and could do. And maybe for those who haven't voted yet or thinking about voting in this city election, what what would be the things that appeal to them?
0: Well, in terms of going backwards a little bit, the first thing I would say is don't make up your mind who you're going to support until all the candidates have qualified. Um, I qualified in time, but some people decided that because others had qualified before me, actually, we all qualified the same week, but because others had announced months ahead of when I did they committed to them and then it put them some of them in a bind oh I've already told this person now some of those people once I entered the race have shifted which is their right I, I said look this is America this is democracy you didn't agree to marry the person you just said you'd support him well change your mind and some people have and some people haven't so um now what people can do now, the League of Women Voters had a, a Zoom uh, forum and a lot of people have watched that and starting immediately after I was on that Zoom forum um, and it's it's up on their website, uh, I got calls and I got contributions. So that I felt like, okay, that's good. Um, but a lot of these things, the Chamber did of Commerce did separate. Uh, Interviews with the candidates; those are online uh, through the through the the chamber, um, and people can view those. The realtors asked us to tape video, a nine-minute statement, and I believe those are online through through their organization. And of course, I put several of these up on my Facebook page, Gordon for Mayor, and on my own personal Facebook page Gary Gordon and on my website gordonformayor.nationbuilder.com so people can see some of these things as well as some clips of when I spoke at at the City Commission. Um, Anyone who hasn't already voted I think there's a lot of information out there online. Each of the candidates have their own Facebook pages. We all have websites. Um, and a lot of people engage with us on Facebook. What would you do about this? Also, this Nextdoor app, are you familiar with that? Um, people, uh, have engaged with me directly on that. I posted <laughs> some things on that, and people have responded, and I've actually picked up supporters through that. Through on the that Nextdoor app. app,
1: how do the people take advantage of that? We want to tell them about that?
0: Well, um... Just download I, the next app. I, I sent it. Well, I did it on my desktop, um, okay. but I, I'm sure you can do it on your phone and it's called next door. And it's relative to, I thought it was next door just for our neighborhood, but it turns out it's, it's everybody in the, in the Gainesville area, plus people who live outside the city limits. I got you. Um, and people have, uh, gotten in conversations about the zoning, about the utility rates, about other issues that, that come up. Um, In terms of the election itself which i can do nothing about in 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 the larger sense i would prefer that election day be a national holiday and then people don't have to wrestle with will i be able to make it to the poll in time given my work schedule Mm -hmm. um and i think there may be a national holiday that we can either sacrifice or we can just add one to say we're americans we value voting so much that we are not going to put a roadblock in the way of people who have to work and can't make it to the polls either at 7 in the morning or before 7 at night or whatever and there are people like that not necessarily in Gainesville but in larger cities depending on where you work given traffic it can be hard even if you leave at 5 or 530 at 6 to make mm-hmm. it to your polling place by 7 o'clock California changed its polling time to 8 o'clock to try and uh, accommodate that. Um, There are ways which we can say to the voter without the early voting, you know, we value Americans as voters. And so we're going to make that day a day where we focus on voting for for everybody. But that's out of my jurisdiction. (laughs) That's out of my purview. Um, Uh, What I would encourage everybody to do is to take a look at my website, gordonformayor.nationbuilder.com. I've posted a lot of things that I've written under the Info tab. I've posted some videos on the Video tab. Um, You can see uh, what I'm saying, and you can always look at the other candidates, which, as an American, I'm inclined to say, look at the other candidates. As a candidate, I'm inclined to say, uh you know
1: <laughs> yeah i hear you i hear you well we've been talking to gary gordon and uh gary has uh, a a lot of uh history here in our community so he probably you've got more history actually if you think about it than any other candidates uh,
0: i think so well no, david says he was he was i think he grew up here. But he's not I as old. I, I, no, he's not. got to factor that and, in. Yeah. There is wisdom with I age. don't remember if he was born here. Harvey says he was born here. Now, Harvey used to take a shot at me when I would talk about serving in the 80s. And he would say, I lived here in the 80s, and I don't remember it being that good. <laughs> well, I so I looked up how old Harvey is. Harvey was in either junior high or high school in the 80s. <laughs> if his mind was on what the city was doing. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, it, w- it might not be now. But
1: I'm, I'm so All yeah. the devil made me say but that. You, but. you
0: can say that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, thanks for stopping by. We're right at sure. the end of the hour here, uh, okay, uh, Gary. And uh, this will be on awardsgodfiles.com not too long after we're finished here. It'll be posted. Uh, then it goes out to some 37 different platforms. I've run out of fingers and toes. And it's real easy to find us, just Google Ward Scott Files, and you'll get right to us. And one of the things that we have on wardscottfiles.com is uh, archived every show I've done since 2012. And at some point, I want to go maybe, I was thinking about this today, Gary, go to the journalism school and say, um, I'm willing to set up a uh, some sort of situation where a student could take a course in the history of this country by studying my archives, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm thinking of that is because I used to like to go to the stacks at the University of Florida, oh, yeah, yeah. which was very solitary. Not you had to really be a scholar to go there, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you had to be interested in things that most people didn't look at. Where I thought all the all the good stuff was. Um, it's sort of like going to the microfilm on newspapers. Um, maybe someday I'll get your opinion about this, since you know that get a little bit of the history of the journalism world. But if you go to wardscottfiles.com and look in the archives, it's amazing to me, everything that's there. Uh, for example, Don Maines, who broke the Danny Rawling case, I have what is, uh, Don says is the best interview about Danny Rawling of any that's ever been done with him. Hmm. Yeah. And I look back, and by golly, there it is. You can listen to it. Ah. So, it's kind of amazing. So, you're now in the archives? You're part of the history of the God Files. I appreciate uh, I'm, I'm glad you got in touch with me. So, uh, uh, we're going to say uh, goodbye for today. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully, with another good class for you all. And thanks, production, for taking care of us. Uh, uh, the Warhol Command Center, out.